Welcome back to the Lynx Golf Podcast. This is digital editor Al Lunsford. Happy to be joined today by a recent colleague of mine, Ryan Aselta, who has uh, started contributing with Lynx, and uh, you can read his content on lynxmagazine.com. Ryan, how you doing, man? Doing great, Al. Doing great. Happy to be with you today and happy to be on board with Lynx. Having a lot of fun uh, working with you guys. Yeah, we've definitely enjoyed your your stuff so far. Can you kind of give a little background of yourself and your background in golf and, and what brought you to where you are now? Yeah, sure. Um, I, I spent a, a good chunk of my career in uh, in television, uh, covering all all different types of sports at, at local uh, TV affiliates around the country in Florida, Boston, and New York, and and covered a lot of um, football and baseball, and uh, you pretty much name it, I was covering it, and covered a bit of golf here and there when it would come to this those particular cities, and um, I, I've always been a golfer. I grew up uh, playing since probably. 10, 11, 12 years old with my, my dad and my grandpa. And uh, I've always loved the game and have kind of trended to gotten more involved in golf uh, as I've gotten a bit older. And uh, the last bunch of years, I, I have worked for a few different publications covering golf for Sports Illustrated and, and uh, Golf Magazine. And um, I spend a lot of time on the golf course, um, live right on a golf course, which is rare in New Jersey where I live. But have two young boys who both play tournament golf and we spend a lot of time on the course together. So I'm kind of in that golf world, uh, playing it around it, uh, around the PGA tour quite a bit and just, just have a passion for the game, which is probably what we, we share the most, right? Uh, that, that passion for the game of golf that's never really goes away. Yeah, certainly does never go away for me. Um, what's the name of the course you live on in New Jersey? I know we have a lot of listeners and, and followers from the tri-state area. Sure. I, I live at Ramsey Golf and Country Club, which is a it's an interesting course. It's it's kind of a hidden gem in northern New Jersey, uh, way up in northern Bergen County. Uh, smaller course. It's a great family course. So there, there's a great junior program there for my boys. And um, I just have great access. My, my front yard looks uh, to my neighbor's yard and behind them is the 18th tee, 17th green. And we actually can just walk out there, which which is awesome. You know, for the Northeast, you don't find that a whole lot. Obviously, that's the case down in, especially in Florida and the Southeast a little bit where people live in communities. But uh, it's a regular neighborhood with a golf course smack in the middle of it, which is which is pretty cool for access to just go out there and practice. You know, play a lot of in the summer, you just get out and play four or five holes before dark, which is just so convenient. You don't have to go too far. So uh, a hidden, hidden gem in northern New Jersey, I'd call it. That's great. Yeah, I do the same thing my parents are fortunate enough to to live on a golf course in north carolina as well so hopping out the uh the back door and going to play a few holes before the sun goes down is a regular thing for us too so i know how special that can be for sure let's get into the reason why i got you on the podcast today so ryan produced uh, a piece for links called the dream nine uh, specifically uh, for par threes. So, Ryan, basically kind of explain your premise here of the piece and um, how you came up with the idea, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think all of us who love the game, we probably, probably daydream about golf quite a bit, whether you're in the car or traveling or, or even getting bored at work. You <laughs> daydream about the game of golf. And for me, I know par threes have always just uh, left a lasting memory for me. I don't know if that's because 
there's always that chance, right? When you tee off on a par three, there's always a chance for that hole in one. But so many par threes are, are signature holes at courses uh, with scenic backdrops, different challenges. They're fun uh, to play. So I, I kind of started thinking, daydreaming, what would be my, my, my dream nine par threes? If I could build a golf course, a nine-hole par three course, and take any holes in the world, what would that look like? So that got me thinking, and it was fun. It was combining a bunch of courses that I've played, so I'm going off that memory bank, but also some that you know I've seen, I know a lot about, and and have only dreamed about playing. Had the, haven't had the chance, and hopefully will uh, someday. But um, so I kind of blended those. Some I've played, some I haven't played, and, and created this nine-hole gem. And I mean, gosh. Now, if there was an architect who could create this nine or your nine that I know we're going to hear about, that'd be a pretty sweet golf course. I, I think I'd spend a lot of time on that golf course. I just don't think that's possible based on like <laughs> the different environments that are presented on your list. But I, you know, I guess we can we can dream. How about that? Yes, but, yes, it is a dream nine, right? So <laughs> let's, it, nothing, no parameters, nothing holding us back, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you did your list. I made my own list uh, after the fact. Um, and there was some crossover because certainly there are some of these holes on on your list that I saw that I just could not fathom leaving off mine. So let's start with those. Let's start with the three holes that I had on the same list as yours. Uh, again, anyone who wants to see Ryan's list can see it on linksmagazine.com. Uh, Dream Nine Par Threes is the name of the article. Um, the first one that I crossed over on your list, uh, and I've gotten the chance to play this one. Uh, may, I don't think you said that you have though. Pebble Beach, the seventh hole, Pebble Beach. Yeah, I, I haven't. That's really on my my Dream Nine. And you know, thinking about the the most iconic par threes, you know, I felt like I had a professional responsibility to put the number seven hole at Pebble Beach on that list just because it's the you know, arguably the most scenic hole we see it you know every year when the pros are there for the the at&t out of pebble beach and um it's one that i haven't played but i know i will i know someday i will get to pebble beach it's that simple i will make sure of it so um i'm kind of embarrassed i haven't played one of the most iconic golf courses and holes in the world but the backdrop with stillwater cove uh the pacific that would it's just sitting at the top of my list of golf bucket list holes to do and and i'd love to hear how you did on it al because uh you're the one who's played it I, i've only dreamed so far about it well let me just tell you i don't know it's like you're staring at something that isn't real like right before your eyes when you get on the tee and i, I was completely actually played pretty well up to that point but was just completely taken aback uh, by the scene and and just being there, I believe I took a pitching wedge and, and blocked it straight into the ocean. <laughs> never, never even close was was not going to have a chance of of making dry land. Um, and then hit the next shot. Obviously had to re tee, so it hit the next one uh, to about ten feet and made bogey. So. You know, gentleman's birdie if, if I had a mulligan on that hole. But uh, unfortunately, the first shot is the one that, that counted against me. 
You know what? I think we'll find on the, this list too. I, I'm sure a few of these holes we've played very well. A few of them we haven't, but the ones we haven't, like, does it matter when it's holes like this? I mean, yeah. you don't let that ruin your day. I'm sure your day at Pebble was fantastic, regardless of blocking it into the water, right? It didn't ruin my day at all. I just, I actually laughed pretty hard at, at what I had done. Just, so, I was so consumed by the fact of that I was standing there, just like I, I never had a chance on that first shot. But um, yeah, I. I'd be interested to see. So a lot, I think I have more holes on my list that I'm, I'm dreaming of playing one day that I haven't played yet. And I know you've played several on your list, kind of that crossover there again, too. Uh, the second hole that we share is TPC Sawgrass down at, in Ponte Vedra, um, which everyone knows number 17. I would be hard pressed to say there's, any fan of the game of golf that doesn't know that hole um and that's just kind of one of the ones that you you have to experience one day i would think yeah i think it is and it it's it's such a challenge yet it's so deceiving when you're there and you stand on that tee box and and i listed uh 17 at sawgrass as my eighth hole out of my nine because i just love a, a hole like that a dramatic hole just before you're finishing your round, right? You don't want it at the end. You don't want it at the beginning. It's in the perfect spot at TPC Sawgrass. I have a, a great story. So I've never actually played the stadium course at TPC Sawgrass, Al, but I have played the 17th hole at Sawgrass. I was there a long time ago. I was just out of college, so not a whole lot of not a whole lot of money in the bank account at that point. But a couple of buddies of mine. Uh, and my dad went down, booked a little quick weekend golf trip. And um, like I said, we were just out of college, didn't have a ton of money. So we didn't have enough money to play TBC Sawgrass. It was a pretty big uh, price tag on the green screen. We did play the other course there, the, the die uh, course at TPC Sawgrass, which was fun. But after we were done, you know, we wanted to see the, the iconic 17th hole. So we walked out there. We're in They'd gone to the pool, so basically in shorts, flip-flops, T-shirts, just walking out to, to take a look, right? And we go to the tee box. It's late in the day, maybe 6 p.m. or so. There's no one out there. And there's a nine iron sitting on the tee box. Me and my buddies look at each other and say, we got to we gotta grab this nine iron and play this hole, right? So none of us had any golf balls on us. We went behind the 16th hole, which, you know, there's water, and then there's some, some woods behind 16. Yeah. We all found we found one ball each. We went back to 17T with that nine iron, and we all took a swing. And amazingly, we all landed the green on 17. We walked around, went onto the green, putted out with our nine iron and our flip flops, and we all made par. So, I've played 17 at Sawgrass. I haven't played the other 17 holes, but I've played the iconic uh, Island Green. Wow, that is a magic club. I wonder who that belonged to. To, right. to produce that kind of result. Um, and yes, we returned it afterwards to the pro shop, right? <laughs> when you returned it to the pro shop, were you like, uh, yeah, we randomly found this somewhere uh, not on the tee box of 17 or anything like that? Uh, totally exactly. just ran. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, we just found this walking around here. You might want to hold on to it. <laughs> it's like, I've already seen the security footage. I know what's going on. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've only uh, I've only seen Sawgrass from around in the stadium seating right there, having gone to the players and 
um, grab yourself a something cold to drink and, and sit there for a while is, is was the best part of the tournament for me, I thought. Um, so, yeah, really good one there. Uh, and the last one that we can both agree on and many other people probably will agree is uh, Augusta National, the, the 12th hole there. And that hole just sticks out because you know who does who doesn't want to go up to there at some point and and get to the 12th hole and 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 i i find it particularly charming because uh at the masters as a fan you can't go back there and it's kind of separated from the rest of the rest of the course the tee box on 13 as well um in the fact that I think the players talk about it. it gets so quiet over there. It's almost like they're they're not playing in a tournament when they get to that hole. And uh, a lot of carnage has pr- been produced over the years. So I'd like to see how how I might fare there. Yeah. So so you haven't played it, am I right now? No, I've never been to Augusta either. But okay, all right. I believe um, I'm going this year. And okay. We'll we'll document that experience for sure. You will enjoy it. Um, I had a chance. I've been there four times now, and I've played Augusta. Um, I was lucky enough my first year covering the tournament, I was picked in the media lottery to play Augusta National. So, I mean, I don't know. I Luck. I, that's the only way you can describe it, right? But I was yeah. picked. And people don't know, uh, each year they have a media lottery for about, I don't know if this is exact, but about 24 media members or so get picked to play the course the day after the masters ends. So this was back in 2016. Uh, I believe I got the year right when Jordan Spieth had his meltdown on 12 and obviously uh, lost the lead and, and Danny Willett ended up winning the masters, but I was picked and um, I played uh, Augusta, which was a surreal experience and got to 12 and Jordan Spieth messed me up Al. seeing Jordan come up short the day before made me club up. I, I, I went from a nine, I believe, to an eight iron. Uh, pins were Sunday pins, so exact same locations, but I didn't want to do what Jordan did. So I clubbed up. I hit a really good shot in, and it was right at the pin, and it went just a bit long. It landed on the back edge and rolled uh, into a little gully uh, behind the 12th green. So I blame Jordan for not landing the green. Otherwise, that shot would have been pin high, I bet. But when I got back there, right behind 12, it's, it's the area you talked about. I looked back towards the 12th tee and you look back towards 11 green and towards 13 fairway. And that is hallowed ground. It, it almost felt sacred looking back there because I said to myself, there are millions of people that will never step foot on where I'm standing right now. They'll just never be there. They'll never play Augusta. And the fans, like you said, aren't allowed back there. So it felt just so special. I made a bogey. I went bogey, bogey, bogey through a man corner. And like we talked about earlier, I was completely fine with that because I was playing Augusta National, but uh, what an amazing experience. That's just so classic. Like any golfer will will blame, find some reason to blame a bad <laughs> shot on something. Ah, yeah, it's Jordan Spieth's fault that I hit it over the green. Sure. Okay. Got it. <laughs> uh, so true. So true. But no, that's that's a cool story too. All right, so now we're we're on to the point of our list where we are not crossing over anymore. So uh, six holes, each of us has six holes left on our nine. Let's ping pong it. Let's go. Let's go two and two. You give me 
a couple on your list and then I'll give you a couple and we'll move forward until we get through that way. How's that sound? That sounds good. All right, cool. Um, okay. So here's here's two two to start off. I've got the tenth hole at Friar's Head, uh, which is out on the east end of Long Island, and not as well known because it's a newer core Crenshaw design. Uh, it's not as well known as Shinnecock and National Golf Links or even Sabonic for that matter. But it is spectacular. I played. I, somehow I got an invite to play there. I don't remember what it was. I think it was an MGA event. Uh, Metropolitan Golf Association event that they had us out. And this course was amazing. The, the, the day was rough. It was a April day, windy, probably temperatures in the high 40s. And there's a lot of sand around Friar's Head. So that was blowing all over the place. So the conditions were difficult. Um, but there was a hole that the, the 10th hole of Friar's Head measures 205 yards. And it's interesting that I picked this because a lot of the holes, um, go up against the Long Island Sound, and there's some scenic water views. This is not one of those holes, but I thought it was so unique because from the tee box, you can only see half of the green. Uh, the right side is exposed, and there's a, a big waste bunker from tee box to green kind of inviting you to hit it there. The left side, you can't see because there's a gigantic uh, mound of fescue that it's got to be probably 30 feet high, and you lose half of the green. So you don't know what's back there having never been there. And I thought that created such a different challenge of there's a blind thought. you got to trust that there's some green behind there. Your caddy told you it's there, but you can't see it. And the right is just tons of trouble where you kind of your eye wants you to go. So really, really cool. Perfect tee shot is required on that hole. Um, and it's a unique challenge. So that's where I had um, Friar's Head, which is in Baiting Hollow, New York. The second one on my list I'll uh, give you is also in New York, and that's the 16th at Sleepy Hollow Country Club. This The hole's labeled Panorama, and it was the entire course was pretty much refurbished by Gil Hands a few years back, and it borders the Hudson River up on the uh, Westchester side of New York, and the view is spectacular. You tee off from an elevated green, uh, elevated tee box, which overlooks the Hudson River, all the, the foliage. If you play it in like September and October, the colors are spectacular. They just burst uh, behind the river. And then there's the green, which is a gigantic square green. And then it's surrounded completely by a sand bunker, which kind of just tracks its way around the green. Um, a green complex that I've never seen before. It's one gigantic green and one gigantic snaking bunker around the green. Uh, it looks like a moat, but it's sand. So when you tee off from there down to that green, it's just a spectacular tee shot to see your ball in the air above the river, above the foliage, and then landing on this um, gigantic green. It's pretty easy to land. It's so big, and it's 150 yards, but the view is, is just spectacular from there. Yeah, I actually almost put that one on my list, too. That was one I was considering, and I've never played there either, but everyone has nothing but good things to say about Sleepy Hollow. The one at Friar said, too, we actually featured that on our Instagram page, that hole you're talking about, and it did pretty well from an engagement standpoint, too. So I think we've done the Sleepy Hollow the 16th as well. In fact, I know we've done it probably a couple of times um, mm -hmm. at Links Magazine on Instagram if you want to go check that out. Uh, okay. All right. My turn. The first one on my list is a hole that's kind of just fascinated me for a long time because of the novelty of it. And that's the 14th hole at uh, Coeur d'Alene in Idaho. 
Mm-hmm. The, this is the floating green hole that you have to uh, take a little ferry to across the, the water there. Uh, I just always thought that was really cool, and, and I wanted to, to try to hit that. Kind of similar to Sawgrass a little bit, but then Sawgrass you can obviously walk onto the little narrow path connecting the peninsula of the 17th green there. But Coeur d'Alene, you literally have to hop on a boat to get to, and just thought that was a unique type of experience I think I learned about it when I was pretty young, so I, I just always that always, hole always stuck with me. Like, ah, one day I'd like to try that. Uh, so that one's on mine, and then next one I'll share. Uh, I've got a little a little kink, a little extra detail to add to this hole. This is TBC Scottsdale number sixteen, the stadium hole, but. I want to play it with the stadium atmosphere. So you got to have the entire crowd there. The Dream 9, this hole is stands are full. People are yelling if you hit a bad shot or cheering when you hit a really good shot. I would love to experience that. And I I mean, I don't know if that's possible unless you like play in the Pro-Am, but just thought that would be kind of a dream too. And, and almost just want to see... I don't know that I would hit that shot good either, but I would I would relish the opportunity to just get heckled and booed all the way down the fairway and see if you can get it up and down and, and convert those boos to cheers or something like that. But thought that one would be a cool experience. Absolutely. That would be, yeah, talk about pressure, right? Playing in front of people is always hard to do, but 50,000 maybe around you, that would be awesome. I played, I played that hole a couple weeks before the waste management. So the stands were up. But there's no one in them. So it's clearly not the same experience, but it is pretty cool when you walk through the tunnel. I mean, you feel like you're entering, you know, I don't know if you played basketball, Al, but, you know, coming out of the locker room and run through the hallway and running onto the gym floor with people out there. That's the only thing I could compare it to. But once you got up there, you're like, wow, there, there's no one here. And I can't imagine having all these people staring at my shot that I just rolled off the front edge of the of the green. <laughs> so, yeah, that's good exactly one, really good one. That's exactly how I felt playing YMCA basketball and, and running out of the, the <laughs> locker room uh, before we won our championship there. Shout out to my guys uh, back in Burlington. Okay, back to you for another couple holes. Okay, so uh, I had three holes that I called my, my aqua trio because they were all around the line by the ocean. So I'll give you a couple of those. Uh, first one is the 16th at Port Royal Golf Course, which is in Bermuda, which you know, the golf world really had a chance to see for the first time this year, the PGA tour went there for the first time. And that's just stunning. I mean, you know, that turquoise water is there. It's kind of staring at you throughout the round, but when you get to this hole and you especially go kind of far back, this was a, it measures 142 yards from the the middle tees, but from the back, you've really got the entire Atlantic ocean on your left side. And the wind is blowing off that left side to a green that's kind of deep, but also uh, narrow in a sense. So you've got some a little bit of room to miss right. Left, you're dead. You're, that ball's in the ocean and it's, it's on its way to Cuba, I guess. But I played it, speaking of playing in front of people, I played in a tournament there and we were playing with uh, former professional athletes. So I was playing with a lot of former baseball players and hockey and football players. And there was a little bit of a gallery. I'd say there was probably 50, 60 people there uh, around that hole. So I did have to tee off in front of people. And I was, I was petrified because you have to decide, how do you want to hit it? Do you want to draw it into the wind or do you want to ride that wind kind of out over the ocean and just hope it's going to come back? 
I played the fade. I rode the wind in, and I landed on the back nine. I ended up making a, a solid three-putt bogey, so um, everyone got to see my putting skills in, in the gallery. But that's a pretty cool hole, and I, I'm glad the world got to see it because I think the pros really enjoyed playing one this year. The next one I have is one I have not been to. It's up there with Pebble on um, the, the iconic holes. I don't know how much of a chance I have playing the 16th at Cypress Point, uh, but it's on my list. It's very, very high up there. The photographs, and you're starting to see more and more video circulate from people who go play Cypress. It's just spectacular. I mean, I don't think there's a hole like that in all of golf where the length, I mean, it's 218 yards. I mean, we're borderline along par four with all the wind coming off the ocean there, but I mean, I think you're lucky if you just keep your ball in play on that hole with that the, the, the lone cypress tree out there and the ocean in front of you, on the right, behind the hole. That hole is spectacular. Um, Al, if you have any ins at Cypress, I'd love for you to you know, put me in touch with them because I don't have any and I don't know if I'm going to get out to Cypress Point anytime. And, and that's definitely way up on my list. I'll work on it. <laughs> I'll work on my ins and then I'll work on getting in with those ins. So yes, it's a yes. process, but I'll sure I'll work on it for you. <laughs> Two really good holes again. Um, all right. So I'm going to uh, pander a little bit to the commenters. I don't know if you read the comments on your article, but there was one hole that people were giving you a lot of grief about that I thought I'd just uh, throw down on mine. Royal Troon number eight, a.k.a. the postage stamp, uh, which is the shortest hole in the the open rotation, just 123 yards and has wreaked a lot of havoc over the years, especially when people end up in that coffin bunker out, out, out behind uh, to the left. Yeah, a lot of people were uh, were saying that should have been on your list, Ryan. But uh... I, You know, I hear them, and I saw those <laughs> comments. And you know what I think the problem is, Al? I haven't played golf uh, yet in Scotland or Ireland um, and haven't gotten a taste. I know I will, and I know I kind of get the sense of how special it's going to be, but I feel like it's it, it, until I step foot there and I can see it, it hasn't struck me yet. Obviously, I've watched it in the Open Championship when they play that hole, and I'd say it's it's up there, but it didn't crack my top nine. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, it, hey, ten years from now, if I do a trip over there, it might be right right there at the top. So, but I do apologize if I offended anyone. Well, also, you know, it's called the Dream Nine. That hole has been a nightmare for a lot of people. So I don't even know if you would want it as part of your dreams. Um, (laughs) But it is one of the most most famous in the world. And and certainly, I think I'd like to to play there someday, too, and, and see what I can do. Second one, again, one I've played pretty recently. Uh, the fifth hole at Teeth of the Dog, Casa de Campo, is is something out of dreams as well. And it's it's not not a long hole, but it's kind of like kind of like the one in Port Royal that you mentioned where you've got the Atlantic completely on your left and waves can come up and hit you on when you're on the tee and decide how you want to attack that. I never when we played I didn't have played a couple of times and didn't have a shot where the wind was really getting at me so I could kind of have a little safety and feed off of it but uh, I found the green once I three butted just like you and <laughs> I loved every second of it 
Uh, so, <laughs> Teeth of the Dog, one of Pete Dye's masterpieces. It's cool how that course has stood the test of time, right? I mean, that's a that's an older Pete Dye. It, it, I think he's said over the years that 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 is his favorite design. And the way that they've, it seems like they've kept it. I've never been there, but I've followed the course quite a bit. Uh, the conditions they kept it in, which is not easy down in the islands in the Caribbean. That course has really stood the test of time. Yeah, that was a fun one. That um, certainly shot up my list of the favorite courses I've ever played as soon as I got the chance to. So it uh, it had to make my list as well. Uh, back cool. to you for your final. All right, I've got... Two left, yeah. Um, this one completed the my Aqua Trio, and this is a course. Uh, it's called Mah- Mahogany Run Golf Course uh, in St. Thomas, which is the U.S. Virgin Islands, the 14th hole, and they have um, three holes, which they call the Devil's Triangle, which the par four that gets you down by the ocean, the par three 14th is along the ocean, and then you tee off back uh, towards. Uh, the clubhouse a bit, but it was 147 yards, a little bit similar to Port Royal, but um, I'd say you're a little more elevated. You have a rocky cliff, the whole length of the hole. I mean, you're talking 147 yards. tall. I'd say 120 yards are cliff straight down to ocean. And the view is spectacular. And the green is tiny. You do not have as much room uh, to bail out right as you would at, at, at a Port Royal where there was some, some room for you. This, there's a little room short, right? But that was it. So you really required a great golf shot. Now, the sad thing is this hole has always left a, 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 a great memory of mine. Um, I've got a, a picture of it framed in my home. Unfortunately, the course suffered a lot of damage um, back in 2017 when Hurricanes Irma and Maria um, made their way through the U.S. Virgin Islands. And as the islands are getting themselves still back up and running, St. John, uh, St. Thomas, many of the U.S. Virgin Islands are still you know, working on getting a lot of the infrastructure back in place. The priority of rebuilding a golf course hasn't uh, happened yet. And the course has been closed for a couple of years, um, which is which is pretty sad. But if it does reopen, which I hope it does, and you're down in the, the Virgin Islands or you take a cruise and you got a day trip on St. Thomas, head over to Mahogany Run. Really, really cool spot. Um, my last one is kind of a beast. It's the seventh. 70- at Bethpage State Park, the Black Course. Uh, we've seen it start at the PGA this year. We've seen it at, at tour playoff events over the years. No water on this hole, but it's just a good, solid test. Uh, 195 yards. It's a strong golf hole. There's five bunkers that surround the green, and the green is not very deep. It, it's wide. Um, I, mean, I don't know the measurements. Probably 50 yards wide, but the depth of the hole there's not much there. So you really have to land the correct spot. I remember landing the wrong spot. I was on the green, but way off to the right, a pin was way left. And I had probably a 50, 60 foot putt uh, just to try to set up a par, which is not easy to do with the speeds at that page state black. But it's one of those holes where you've been battling the course all day. The course just punches you all day long. You get to 17 and it's one last like, kick in the gut uh, before you make your way up 18. Really, really strong golf hole. Beth Page, man, I I would love to play there. I don't know that I'm looking forward to, to what kind of damage that would do to my <laughs> psyche. But, but, it, it, it does leave a mark, Al. It does, but I, I recommend it. It's worth, it's worth it. It's worth the battle. Okay, well, great nine by you. Uh, let me go ahead and finish mine. The first one 
is also one I'd, I'd like a uh, gallery type of atmosphere at, and it's one I've gotten the chance to see several times uh, at the Wells Fargo Championship uh, and the PGA Championship a couple years ago, uh, the 17th at Quail Hollow, which is part of that green mile, um, one of the toughest finishing stretches in all of golf, uh, where you have 16, long par 4, 17 is a super long par 3, um, a little bit over water as well, and then 18 is a beast coming back up towards the clubhouse um another par four but 17 in particular 223 from the back and you got to get carry basically that to to have a chance of of having a good putt or good roll at it um kind of guarded in front it's actually only uh hole only hole in one i've ever seen in person was somebody in the tournament uh, at the Wells Fargo one year drains one kind of it was we were walking back towards 18 towards the clubhouse getting ready to leave and kind of turned around to see the last couple of people that were going through 17 hit their shots and one one guy happened to drain and collect crowd just went crazy that doesn't really happen much there so that was cool and I couldn't tell you who it was, honestly. It was, it was somebody, uh, somebody whose name I didn't immediately recognize, and like, oh, that was sweet. Who was that? Couldn't tell you. A couple years in the past, so. But Quail Hall, I haven't had the chance to play. Obviously, that's going to be the uh, the site of the next Presidents Cup too, which is pretty exciting. And then that was where uh, Justin Thomas basically sealed his victory on that hole, right? That shot. They shot on to 17. Yeah, he had a magical, magical day out there. And and, and they've had a a lot of really good winners on that venue. Um, I'm excited to see what it looks like when the President's Cup comes there. Um, Yeah, that'll be fun. My my last hole is another uh, kind of iconic hole that has been copied around the world. And, And for that reason, I'd like to see the original. It's the 15th hole at North Berwick Golf Club. Which is, if anyone is familiar with golf course architecture, that's the original Redan hole. So those who are not, a Redan is, is typically in like the 180 to 220 range. Um, big slope, angled green, kind of usually right to left, and has a, a bunker protecting that front left side. So uh, there, I had the chance to play a hole similar. There, Seth Rayner designed Yamens Hall in Charleston, South Carolina, and they have a Dan hole out there. It's just a fun setup for for a golf hole, particularly if you hit it in the right spot. And if if you're up on that right top right ridge, land it there, you can feed it back towards the hole and and just watch it run towards the pin. So it's a hole that's that's gotten copied all over the world and for good reason. And and for that, I'd like to see the the original one and play, play the OG out there (laughs) i i tell you i think we've got a few holes on each list that we both want to put on our list of holes to play right i mean i would love to play some of these holes. you got a great nine there and uh and i think there's a couple that i need to pencil in i think i need to take the advice of some of our readers as well about royal (laughs) true Well, I'll share my list with you so you can uh, you can see what I got so you don't forget. But um, what do you think about the idea? I, I was just kind of thinking into this before we had our conversation of maybe continuing this and going into par fours and par fives as well. What do you think? Absolutely. I was thinking the same thing. I, I, I think 
we have to, uh, there's so many more par fours and fives, I think, that, that to choose from and ones we've played and ones we dream about playing. But I think it's fun. I mean, I don't know. When I was a kid, Al, I used to, um, I used to scribble and design my own golf courses. I did that a lot in school, actually, when I probably should have been paying attention. But I would come home and I have like a scrapbook of like what weaving nine holes together on one side of my notebook and another nine on the other. And that's kind of where this concept came with, like combining all these crazy great holes, not letting the the land or where you are, uh, the geography get in the way of what you're trying to design. And um, kind of funny, my boys do the same thing as I did. They design these little courses on their pads and they put them up in their on their wall in their bedroom. So that's kind of the concept. And yeah, I think it'd be a lot of fun to have you know a dream nine of par fours and a dream nine of par fives. The last thing I want to ask you before we wrap up, Al, you know, we talked about the allure of the hole-in-one. You talked about seeing a hole-in-one. Have you had a hole-in-one on any par three? That's a negative. That's a negative <laughs> for me. Um, source subject. I've been very close, and I feel like I'm good enough to have gotten there by now, but um, it hasn't been written in the stars for me so far. Have you? I have witnessed three of them in person. One of them being on a par four, which was crazy. Whoa, whoa. The ball almost hit me on the green. It flew by me, one hop, hit the stick, and went in the hole. And then I waited for the guy to come down to the to the green from the tee box. So I've witnessed three. I've never had one as well. And it's – I'm trying to keep the faith that I'm going to get one. Um, like you, I think I'm good enough. I'm a single-digit handicap. I haven't had a ton of close ones. About a year ago, maybe – Four or five inches it ended up. Um, here's the saddest part, though, Al. I told you about my boys a little bit. My now 10-year-old was playing as an 8-year-old in a tournament, and he had a hole-in-one in his tournament. So at 8 years old, my son got a hole-in-one, and he lets me know about it all the time. Oh, yeah. I would do the same thing. <laughs> of course. That's all. Hey, we'll get it one day. We all, guy- we'll get it one day. Did the guy who made the hole-in-one on the par four, did he buy you a drink afterwards? Were you included in, in the round? I, 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 no, I lost him after. Do you know what? He came up and he started – He like I said, he almost hit us. So I wanted to let him think for a second. So he came up and he started circling around the back of the green looking for his ball. I, let, I gave him like 10 seconds of looking, and then I went over and I said, hey, why don't you check in the cup? And he walked over and said, oh, my goodness, he pulled it out of the cup. And now we congratulated him. But, no, I didn't get a drink out of that. And I'm trying to think. The other two guys that did it are close friends of mine. And I was in the foursome. And, uh, yeah, I think we hit them up pretty good at the bar, though. Okay. Oh. All right. Good, 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 good. Well, Ryan, appreciate you joining me on the podcast here. And, and we encourage anyone listening to uh, to send in their versions of the Dream Nine or anything you thought we – we missed, you know, we always like hearing, um, hearing back to, you know, what we could have improved or what you would have included on your list, I guess. This is a personalized thing, so it's not like there's any real wrong answers. There's just, you know, there's great holes and even more great holes that we'd love to hear you share to think about when we're when we're thinking about our, our dream not in the future. Um, you can send us an email at letters at linksmagazine.com with your suggestions, with your answers. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Check us out on social media, all that good stuff. Uh, and Ryan, where can people follow you on, on social and, and see your content? 
Yeah, I'm on uh, on Twitter at, at Ryan Aselta. It's A-S-S-E-L-T-A. And uh, same handle on Instagram, at Ryan Aselta. And I usually uh, I, I post as many pictures as I can when I'm on the golf course and, and traveling around or just playing around with friends or my two boys. So, um, yeah, really enjoyed it. I love the game. And that's the best part about this. Like you said, no one's wrong, right? We all have our favorite holes. You have yours. We could debate it. And you know what? I think a lot of the readers will probably open my mind to some other holes that I probably have to put on my list one of these days. So this was, this was a fun project. Sweet, man. Well, thanks again. And, and we'll, we'll talk again uh, sometime in the near future. And then maybe even once we have our dream par fours and par five set up. Perfect. Thanks, Al. Cool. Thank you.